With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the AI Extra Transfer Rumor podcast. I'm your host, Tadiwa Chanakera. My usual co-host, Justin, is currently on his honeymoon at the moment, so we didn't want to definitely bring him out to be doing a podcast at this time. So I hope Justin's doing well there. Um, but in these kind of situations, you always need to bring someone in, uh, sort of a, an AI regular, uh, stalwart of AI, you know, someone you know that knows the ropes isn't really going to to allow you to burn everything down. <laughs> if I can steal a wrestling quote, as he is a wrestling fan, I know. Um, Guy Drinkle. Guy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me today. Big step. Don't mind stepping in for Justin. Yeah, yeah. Um, thanks so much for coming. Uh, I just wanted to start off with uh, some of your comments with regards to the World Cup. Um I've seen a few, you know, uh, I saw your World Cup podcast, I think it was yesterday. And it seems like with the knockout stage starting, the World Cup seems to now be a bit more exciting, so to speak. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, I mean, well, the first day yesterday with um, France and Argentina and Portugal, Uruguay, I mean, you had two completely different games, didn't you? But it just seemed to go up another level from some of the uh, scrappy group games we saw. I mean, I enjoyed the group stage, but if yesterday is anything to go by, I mean, the first knockout stage is going to be brilliant. But, yeah, yeah yesterday was probably the best day of the World Cup so far. Um, not much is going to top the pit, uh, the Portugal-Spain game, but uh, that France-Argentina game, whoo, that was uh, a tad spicy. And we've already had a, a few big giants knocked out the tournament, which is great stuff. And... Um, I think one of the best things is that Messi and Ronaldo have both gone out so people can stop chatting nonsense about the both of them and just let people enjoy the World Cup. Yeah, it's, it, it sort of almost started to feel like they were starting to become the centrepiece of the World Cup, you know, with the Ballon d'Or race, which one of them is going to be, you know, going further in the World Cup to help them, you know, further their cause in the mm. Ballon d'Or. But, but I agree with you in terms of it's now allowed us to to enjoy the World Cup, enjoy the football that's being played. You know, we've got young emerging players like Kylian Mbappe uh, yesterday who was quite fantastic. Um, obviously not currently at the same level, so to speak, but there is quite a young up-and-coming player in Liverpool uh, in the likes of Steven Gerrard's cousin who Liverpool have been able to sign, a uh, young lad called Bobby Duncan, left-footed player, plays up front. Uh, you've seen much of him or not so much? Um, it's a weird one because obviously pre- previously I did the Academy podcast and um, Man City was a weird one. I mean, you didn't really pick out 
individuals. I mean, there was a couple, a couple that stood out, but I think you've seen most of them in the first team, like uh, Diaz, uh, Ford, and, and stuff like that. But uh, Bobby Duncan, I think there was rumours of him last season, if I remember. It might have been January actually. So I've, I've kind of been familiar with the name a little bit, but I haven't really seen much or, or anything of him because I think. When I previously did watch the academy stuff, Man City players, it was just like, it was just like oh, so much talent there. It was so hard to pick someone standing out, and I think that probably explains why he's wanting to move from Man City as well. If you, if you want to get more opportunity, you want a, a, a platform to stand out. You probably don't want to be a Man City's academy because, let's be honest, that that academy's you're not going to get the opportunity to get in the first team and it's the most stacked in the country. So, yeah, it's probably best to move on. And if he if he is if he is uh, Stevie's cousin, I think it's only natural. I'm not, if he supports Liverpool, um, that's even better. Um, we've seen how the fan base loves a scouser, doesn't I mean, John Flanagan, I mean, before all the off, off-field stuff, he, he was beloved by uh, especially the local fan base, and now we're seeing it with Trent, but I think Trent's kind of uh, loved by everyone because he's actually bloody brilliant. Um, so I think if Bobby Duncan, um, well, if he's anything like Steven Gerrard, I mean, hello. <laughs> yeah, I think um, it's obviously exciting, and you always want as many scousers as you can in that Liverpool team. And if you look at sort of his schooling record, it seems like he's been quite... Pr- uh, prolific as as a young striker coming up. I mean, um, you know, he he's broken a few records. I know he broke the national schoolboys record, scoring about twenty five goals. I mean, twenty four goals mm. over a season. Um, and then he's also broken the heightened schoolboys record, which was previously held by Peter Reed. So in terms of you know uh, an up and comer, he he seems to have obviously the raw talents that are needed. To, to be a prolific striker in, in a, in a league that puts a high value mm. on, you know, getting the ball in the back of the net. Um, in terms of expectations, I think I agree with you in the sense that he's still quite a young player. So we don't really know how, how, how high he can go. I think he's going to be given the freedom to, you know, develop, learn the Liverpool system. He's starting off with the under 18. So. Yeah. I, th- I think that helps him. Um, do you think that's that's a wise move to rather let him play with the under 18s for a bit, or should you have wanted to see him maybe under 23s? Um, it's a weird. I think what what we've seen at Liverpool in the last couple of years, there's quite a, a small gap between the, especially with the top end talent. There's a small gap between the under 18s and the under 23s. So I think starting in the under 18s is is probably best for everyone. But I think. It doesn't really matter because there seems to be quite a gap in the striking position. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not too familiar with the under 16 strikers because well they don't get much coverage, so I'm not sure who's coming up from there. But we've seen Rian Brewster. He was um, starting for the under 23 with Danny Ings, and well, if rumours are true, looks like Brewster's uh, if he if he finally I think he's eventually signed this new contract. It looks like he's going to get first team opportunity, so. His under-23 time might be very limited. Danny Ings was obviously the other striker in the under-23s, and it looked, we'll get on to him. Um, so maybe we see uh, McCauley get promoted to the under-23s and stuff like that. I think Tony Gomez was released on a free 
Um, I'm probably missing someone obvious here, and then and uh, oh Liam Miller, you're probably being under 23. So I think the under 18s, unless the under 16s have got an absolute like gem of a striker, looks like there's going to be a gap up front for the under 18s. So it's probably a good place to start. But um, yeah, it's it's a weird one um, up front for Liverpool. The, we don't we seem to be in the market of making um, players behind the striker rather than the actual striker. So it's Hopefully, Ryan Brewster breaks that tri- uh, breaks that um, curve. But uh, yeah, I think I think the under 18s is, is a is the best way to start. I mean, uh, I can't remember. I can't remember who, who they got a new coach who was announced yesterday, and his name's proper escaped me. Someone asked me on it, and I didn't have the foggiest. So maybe it's a new beginning for everyone at the under 18s. Yeah, I, I do think it will be a new replacement, and I, I think, as you said, it's a good level for him to start off with. Um, Obviously, with the under-18s, not as much pressure. There's a new coach coming in. I think it was Barry Lutus. I think it was something along those lines. Um, Yeah, obviously filling the void of Gerard, who's gone away. Um, And speaking of youngsters, I know you've mentioned a few youngsters that are. it looks like they'll be hovering between the under-18s and under-23s going forward. But there are also a few uh, Liverpool youngsters who might feel that, you know, the under-23s might be... Uh, holding them back a little bit and as you've mentioned it's not just uh, necessarily in the in the younger age groups with regards to a striker or forward line void we've seen you know uh, Liverpool being linked with quite a few number of forwards this transfer window do you happen to think by any chance the likes of Woodburn and Wilson will be getting a chance you know with our limited transfer budget perhaps we could look to try and rope some of them into the starting lineup or not necessarily starting lineup, but into the first team squad, save a bit of money there, give them a chance, you know, and look to bolster the squad elsewhere. Um, if we if we go individual, I think Woodburn desperately needs a loan. If I'm honest, I think last season, as I said, like in the intro, but I've not watched the academy as much as I used to. But I think when when I did see it, you you kind of saw a limited version of Ben Woodburn I think he played in the in the uh, youth champions league a bit but in terms of league games I don't think he got as many as he wanted to and that that lord moved to Sunderland fell through so it was kind of a a weird season for him and then he was obviously in in first team squads but he got very little minutes so I think Woodburn just needs a loan regardless of limited opportunity um in the first team and I think we've seen with Klopp over his time you have to be something special to 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 be trusted instantly. I mean, we saw it with Trent in that uh, Manchester United game in the year previous. He did, he did really well in that, and then as soon as Klein was back, boom, not not seeing him again. Um, so he does really protect the youngsters, and I do think Woodburn uh, needs needs consistent minutes because he's. At under-18s, he was taking the mick. And then at under-23s, it wasn't the same. Whereas we saw with Trent, he was just taking the mick out of that level. Under-23 level, Trent was literally the best player on the pitch every game. And that's a right-back. So if your left-winger, number 10 striker, whatever Woodburn is, I think I think that's another case for his development. He needs to find a position and stick to it. Um, but he, Woodburn desperately needs a loan and he needs to find a level, I think. Liverpool fans in previous years, uh, well, since Swansea were in the Premier League, it was like, oh, if we got a young player, loading him to Swansea. But now Swansea are actually in the Championship. Woodburn being Welsh, I think it kind of makes sense. Uh, I think they've been rumoured to be losing 
um, Jordan AU and they might lose Andre AU, so they may be looking to rebuild uh, their front line a bit. Um, so maybe Ben Woodburn would be an actual fit to go play for Swansea for a year. Um, Graham Potter seems like a, a good young progressive manager, so it might make sense for him to go there. He's only 18, so there's not too much pressure on him, but we've seen players in the past like Ojo, Kent, even Wilson to a, to a certain degree, um, before his successful loan spell, stagnate and get, and stay at the club too long. So I think Woodburn gets out on loan, gets consistent, um, competitive minutes the better but with Wilson um, it's a weird one for me If I think there is at the moment there's a gap for him because we haven't signed Chikiri we haven't signed that Moses Simon whose name keeps popping up and we haven't we obviously haven't signed Fakir so there is a gap for him at the minute but as soon as we get or if we get a Shakiri and we get another young winger I think it'd probably be best to sell Wilson if I'm honest because another loan if if he doesn't match his whole form, his value is only going to go down. And I think we saw that with Kent when he was at Barnsley. I think we I think there was rumours that we rejected like 10 million bids for him and stuff like that. Then he went to Freiburg and literally did nothing. And now we'd probably be lucky to get like 3 million for him if you, if you capped where I'm going with this. So I think with Wilson, you either have to give him a, a, a place in the squad and a place to develop or you have to sell him and then... If, if hopefully you'd be able to put a buyback clause and stuff like that on, which is if you've got a young talented player and you're, and you're looking to sell him on for his development, I'd, I think that's probably what you want in every contract. So I think with Wilson, you either have to play him or sell him. I don't see another point of a loan because I think Wilson's turning 22 this year. I'm pretty sure he's older than Woodburner, who's only who's only 18 and 19 in October so I think Wilson's closer to the exit door or the first team pitch than Woodburn who just needs a loan for me. What do you think today I mean do you, what do you think of the youngsters? Yeah I think you've raised some good points um, as, as you mentioned maybe I'll start off with Wilson who you ended off with you know yeah he, he's just turned 21 I think back in March so he, he is getting at that crucial stage where he either needs to be fully in in the, the first team squad, or we need to be looking to, as you mentioned, looking to offload him. Um, I, 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 and I do appreciate the the comment you make with regards to the risk in loaning him out again, uh, especially with young players. I think young players do tend to sort of have patches where they play well, and he sort of had that patch at Hull. The risk, obviously, is if we loan him out for an entire season, will he be able to main, maintain that form that he had at Hull? Mm. In terms of giving him a chance, I, I think he's earned a chance, especially mm-hmm. after after how he ended the season at Hull. I, I, I'm always of the belief that a team should look inwards first before they look you know, outwards for solutions. And Klopp seems to have been a manager that's sort of mentioned those kind of things in the past. So I, I would be hoping that he would be living up to those, you know, those, those comments in you have a player that's a natural wide player. Um, we, we are very short of those and, and he's got a goal threat in him. So I, I wouldn't be, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be against having him hanging in and around the squad, giving him minutes now and then. Uh, also a player that's been with Liverpool for so long. It means a bit more to him, I, I would think. So I, I would be thinking he would be, you know, taking his chance with um, arms wide open. Uh, in terms of 
Ben, ben Woodburn, yeah, I think he's still a young player. We do have to remember that, as you've mentioned. I think Swansea is a very good shot for a loan. Yeah, and with regards to Ben Woodburn, I, did, I do think you did raise a few good points. Obviously, he is still a young player, as you've mentioned. And I think that Swansea shot is a very decent shot in terms of where he could guard on loan. I do think if, you know, and I'm hoping that Swansea would be getting back to the type of football that brought them to the Premier League. They had tried um, tried to move away from that a bit unsuccessfully. So you would assume that they would be trying to get back to that, you know, possession-based football. That will give him a lot of opportunities with the ball. Uh, I think he's, he's one for the future for us. Uh, I just think, yes, he needs to go out on loan, find himself a bit, find a position, as you've mentioned, and would be looking to bring him back in. Um, and with that, the theme, continuing with the theme of the forward line, with the likes of Wilson, Woodburn, we do have another bracket slightly above them. And in recent, uh, this past week, the news has come out that Steve Okarigi will be given the preseason sort of to, you know, revive his Liverpool career. The loan spell at Wolfsburg, uh, it didn't go as well as it could have gone. Um, but unfortunately for him, it was also a squad that wasn't really that strong. Do you think mm. he, he deserves another chance? I mean, he's a, from, from, from my perspective, he's a striker that's, he's gotten 10 plus goal seasons both times, you know, both seasons he was at Liverpool. So we do know at least, you know, bare minimum, we know he can put the ball in the back of the net, which is not a lot we can say for uh, some of the other understudy strikers mm. that we have at the moment. Uh, you know, whether you find that Origi might not be, you know, people say he might not run enough or do the other work that Solanke and Ings might do. I think there's always room for a striker that knows how to put the ball in the net. Uh, hopefully, if he's playing with better players, with the likes of our front line, the midfield defenders, the team we've sort of built and are building, I think he could be quite a useful tool. Yeah, I mean, Origi's a weird one. I mean, there's two versions of Origi, isn't there? There's the before the Everton injury, that don't want to swear on a new pod, but that <laughs> idiot Funes Mori um, snapped him and then kissed the badge and all that stuff. He he was exciting prospect. Um, he was he just looked full of confidence and everything like that. And then ever since then, he's kind of I don't know. It it kind of looks like a confidence issue for me. I think it was the um, UP like the under pressure lads. They mentioned that he just didn't shoot. Um, which for me screams a lack of confidence, especially in a striker where we've seen him destroy some of the best team, best teams in Europe. Well, not best teams in Europe at the time, but when we in that Europa League run, obviously did very well against um, Dortmund, Villarreal, uh, if I remember correctly, um, who are obviously very good teams. Um, but yeah, Origi's a weird one. I mean, I'd rather, I think. You've put it best. <laughs> he can score goals where we've seen with Danny Ings and Solanke. I mean, Solanke finally scored uh, towards the end of the season. And Danny Ings, he's just, he's just broken, isn't he? <laughs> Bless him. Um, whereas Origi, I think he's 23 now. Um, and if, if a backup striker isn't in our thinking this in this uh, transfer window, and if you've got a choice of Solanke, Ings, and Origi, um, it's Origi 
it's like a hundred and fifty million percent for me. Um, I don't think it's comparable. I think Ings is too broken, and I, I think Solanke, similarly to um, Woodburn, obviously a bit older. He he needs a full season. I mean, I think he's I think he's twenty twenty one ish. Um, so Solanke needs consistent minutes and. He needs to find his position because I think at England under 20 level he was kind of played half number 10, half number 9 and for us he just kind of seemed, he just seemed to be the number 9 who run around a lot. It's like, awesome. Put, put the ball in the back of the net <laughs> and then we'll talk. Um, but Origi, if we could, if we could get his confidence back, which is obviously, it's a very personal issue and you don't know how, you don't know how uh, Klopp and whoever deals with that, but, um, we've seen Origi have form good enough to be a player part for Liverpool, whereas with Solanke and England, we've not seen such thing. Um, ideally, I mean, we'd all love to have, like, um, Werner or whoever we kind of rotate with Bobby, but realistically, that's not going to happen because we won't keep them happy, because Klopp and the fan base has a proper loving for Bobby, and rightfully so. Bobby's our perfect striker for this system. Um but Origi, I think he, I think he's fine, um, back up. And then if we've got Brewster, and then we can obviously move Salah about, and if we get Fekir, um, he can obviously play a false nine as well. So I think Origi's a good squad player, whereas the other two, they just didn't really bring much value to the squad at all. So I think Origi, if he doesn't look completely lost in pre-season, I think he's worth keeping about. I mean, the only issue is I think he's on a free at the end of the next season, like the coming up season. So, if we want to cash in, it might be the time, but if we want to give him I don't know, give him an extra three years or something, it's pretty risk-free, isn't it? Let's be honest. So, it, it might it might be one for the financials rather than uh, actual play, actual quality of play, because uh, Two of them aren't good enough, and Origi depends which Origi you're getting. Yeah, I do think, um, especially that last point you sort of brought up with regards to his contract expiring in 2019, I do think if we're not looking to sell him, we definitely do need to bring in either a... Um, we, we do need to either sell him or at least give him a new contract just to keep his value. I mean, mm. you've seen the likes of Valencia have tentatively inquired about him. Mm. So there, there is interest in him, and I still think he is a player that could go on, you know, and de- develop further. So I think keeping his value would be probably the first thing for me. In terms of him being the striker, as I've mentioned, I, I think of the understudies, I think he probably is the best option, especially for next season. I don't think we can afford as a team, you know, I'm, I'm assuming we are going to be going for the title, going for trophies. Mm-hmm. I don't think we can do another year of, of hoping and wishing, you know, with the likes of Ings and Solanke. And that seemed like more, more so what I was doing last season with them too. It was more, you know, uh, willing the ball to go in for them, not necessarily expecting them to put the ball in. It was like a feel good moment, you know, for them to finally get the ball over the line. And, I think next season, I don't think we can, we can afford to carry people in that sense. Yeah. And if you look at, let's say, the 10 goals Origi scored in his last season at Liverpool, if you sprinkle those 10 goals over a patch anywhere in our season, this season, you know, mm. how many more places does that give you? You know, it turns draws into, lo- um, draws into wins, turns losses into draws. So I think that, that's an important thing we do need to take into consideration. And I, I think, 
in terms of the confidence thing, yeah, I, I think that's a personal issue, which obviously we're going to have to, as a club, try and bring out of him, the best out of him. In terms of the shooting thing, I think if, if Klopp notices it, uh, I don't think it will be a concern, especially considering the likes of, you know, Oxlade Chamberlain. He's always been criticized for not mm. shooting. And we could see how much, you know, attention Klopp, yeah, emphasized on him, you know, taking more shots. And we saw how beneficial that was. So I think that, that could be addressed. Um, you did mention, you know, it's unlikely we'll be going for, um, another striker, maybe some of the forward guys that we've been mentioned with. It seems like we, we, we've got more emphasis on the midfield, uh, goalkeeper defense type of signings, you know, then maybe one, you know, one or at max two squad players for the front line. Mm-hmm. We don't really see a starting one coming in. There have been two, uh, sort of maybe forward squad players that, that have been rumored with us this week. We, we've seen the, the troubles that Sporting Lisbon have had, uh, over this, uh, this end of the season. A few of their players have wanted out of their contract and have sort of, you know, terminated their contracts there. One of those players in particular, Gelson um, Martins, he's been linked with us before a few, a couple of years ago. You know, he would be sort of in the natural wide player mold. Have you seen much of him and do you place any weight on this transfer rumor? Um, I've only really seen him for uh, Portugal, if I'm honest. And I think Portugal, it's really hard to judge because they're just so boring. <laughs> 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 and, uh, I think international football is not the best to judge any player, never mind Portugal, who play quite negatively, and obviously the Euros, they won it, but they didn't win a game in that, I think they won one game in 90 minutes, which, uh, it, it just gives so many false readings. So no, I've not really, I've not really seen much of him at club level, um, but he's been linked with, he's been linked with us, Arsenal, probably a host of European clubs, so it's, um, it's probably it's probably worth one if if we can get him on the cheap. I mean, obviously, Rui Patricio's gone to Wolves on a free, and they'll obviously start legal proceedings or however you word it um, for that. So maybe it depends which um, it depends which way you look at it. Can you can the club be bothered with legal proceedings to get a player on a free, or do they want to get do they want to kind of not low ball but give something that's respectful? But a bit cheaper than you'd expect to get him. Um, or they just want to avoid the complicated situation altogether and then maybe proceed with Shakiri, who we, God, I'm going to use Premier League proven, but he's Premier League proven. <laughs> um, and he only cost 13 million and albeit not everyone's cup of tea, but he is a, he is a player of good quality and has had decent numbers in, in a Stoke team that's been pretty much on a downward slope for what three years so i'd i'd probably stick with shakiri myself that's only because i've not seen gelson martin so anyone who's watched portuguese portuguese football and they've watched sporting will probably be like calling me an idiot but that's fair enough um so yeah I, i'd probably stick to what i know personally but if gelson martin is someone that klopp and edwards have thought okay he's got potential and can play prob two of the three roles if he's a natural um, winger um, in in the front three, so be it. And, and if we can get him on a cheap deal, or if we can be bothered with legal proceedings, it's, it's, it's happy days for me. Uh, if I'm going off his reputation, it sounds like he'd be a good player to get. But it, it's just it's just the BS that surrounds him, isn't it? That that seems to be the problem. 
Yeah, it does seem like he's bringing a lot of legal um, baggage with him. And with regards to him signing, I think it's going to be sort of a a bidding war, not necessarily in the transfer fee one we're used to, but more Mm. in the player wages and signing on fee and his agent's going to be wanting quite a big deal from that as well. So I, 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 I see the rumors. I can understand where they're coming from. He is, you know, if, if you were to compare him to someone in our squad, the closest would probably be Mane in, in terms of his directness. He's a very direct winger. Um, he likes a trick or two and he's, I think that the issue for him would be because he likes a trick or two, there are times where it comes off and times where it doesn't come off. And he blows hot and cold quite a lot. And I'm not sure if our fans would be willing to give him, you know, mm. the time, um, to keep trying the, those type of things. I think, uh, people might get quite frustrated with them quite quickly. Um, in terms of the likelihood, I think the moment it becomes a bidding war, I, I don't think Klopp will fancy someone like that. You know, Klopp sort of has that philosophy, it seems, of you either want to play for me or you don't. Yeah. Um, then the money can always sort itself out. You know, he's confident that Liverpool will still give you a, you know, a competitive package going forward. But in terms of the way his agent's been speaking, it does seem like it's more about where, where can I get the best deal for, for, for my client and obviously for the agent himself. Um, uh, I think with regards to the other forwards that we've been linked to, you've mentioned Shakiri. Maybe someone a bit closer to Shakiri, um, Emil Forsberg, uh, Naby Keita's teammate at RB Leipzig. He's sort of been linked with us. He's been linked quite heavily with Arsenal Football Club. Are you still thinking Shakiri over Emil Forsberg? Yeah, it's, it's a similar situation. I mean, I think plenty of Liverpool fans kind of flooded to watch Leipzig for Keita, whereas I was like, no, nah, I'll just wait till he's in a Liverpool shirt. <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I want to come in with a, with a yeah, fresh opinion and stuff like that. So I've not... I've, not say I've avoided Leipzig, but um, if if any foreign football, I probably watch Serie A a little bit um, and, and a bit of the Spanish league because it's always on. Uh, but no, Bundesliga is it, it's something I wanted to start watching, but I just kind of didn't because um, I think my dad my dad has a go at me if I watch too much football, <laughs> um, so I don't really get a chance. But no, I mean Forsberg from the bits I've seen, he looks like more of a creative player than a than a goal scoring one. Um, which, if if we go from Liverpool players, it might be a bit more in the Coutinho mould. So I'm not sure how he'd fit into the um, back, well, rotation spot with the front three, unless he unless he's seen as a Fekir alternative. But I, I think he plays on the right for Leipzig in, in a four-two-two-two, if if Twitter's to be to be believed. Um, so yeah, it's um. I'm not sure it'd be the best fit because if he if he plays on the right cutting end, I think he's left footed. Uh, I may be trying one here, <laughs> but um, if he if he's left footed cutting in and he's a creative force, he's not really a Salah backup because Salah's main he does have creative numbers, but Salah is the goal scorer in our in our system, isn't he? And um, if he's left footed and if he has to fill in for Mane, it might not be the best fit and stuff like that. Um, Unless we see him as kind of that number 10 slash advanced 8 kind of thing, but I'm not sure he he has the characteristics for that. I mean, what I've, I think I've seen him for Sweden, and he, he seems to be in that mould where you can do the team duty and stuff like that, but he, he hasn't really sprinkled 
um, that bit of stardust on on the Sweden team. I, I didn't watch them win three nil because I was watching the other game, uh, which was on at the same time. But uh, as I said earlier, international football is not the best thing to judge players on. So yeah, it's, it's a weird one for Forsberg, and he was he was in a similar situation to Kater, wasn't he? He wanted to go away to see Milan, so he must have some good suitors. But I'm not sure he'd be the best fit for us because. He doesn't seem to match up with the front three from the bits I've seen, and I'm not sure he'd be able to fit in the midfield three, so I think he'd be a better fit for someone else, just on the little bits I've seen. Yeah, I think I tend to agree with you, especially with uh, your your shot that he might more be an alternative to Fakir than necessarily a, a direct squad player for the front three. I, I do think he 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 has sort of those cre- more creative attributes opposed to the more direct ones we seem to be wanting from from the guys up front uh we sort of allow our midfield that sort of creative freedom a bit more and we're expecting the guys up front to to try and finish off the moves or or even b- breaking on the counter with with the directness that other teams seem to be struggling a lot with um i think as you mentioned for Kier, his name seems to keep coming up and up and up every single week. Uh, I think we've now got a dedicated Fakir update <laughs> segment on this transfer podcast. And there's obviously been updates this past weekend, actually, in fact, with regards to Fakir, the mirror was claiming that, you know, Liverpool are now back in negotiations with Leon. Um, there had been rumors that Man United were in for him. You know, it, it seems like Arlos is trying to, you know, tout him around all of Europe, but with talks sort of starting up again, well, what are your thoughts on that deal? Yeah, the, Fecky is a weird, well, it's, uh, I'm not sure if it's weird for uh, Leon, it's a bit weird for us, isn't it? Um, I've never really been in doubt for it, to be honest. I think as soon as I, I wasn't too familiar with the Aulas reputation, if I'm honest, but I am now. <laughs> um, so as soon as as soon as the nonsense kind of happened and his reputation became a bit more clear to me personally, I, I always thought it, it'd eventually get done after the World Cup, and and the fact that Liverpool media has been so quiet and. No one's came out and said it, it's proper dead. I mean, we I think we had Ready um, when it originally happened said it was on medical grounds, but that wasn't like LFC journals across the board saying deals dead. There was so there was so many people saying, ah, oh, they'll probably see what happens after the World Cup and stuff like that. So maybe it, I think it might be just radio silence from the club, and uh, I think the top two trusted ones seem to be Ready and Joyce, aren't they? So until them to come out and say it's dead, it's dead. Um, I think there's, oh, I've been expecting to uh, see Fekir eventually in red, and um, the fact we haven't even heard any other names mentioned properly. Um, I mean, we could have went back in for Thomas Lamar, who we were obviously linked to last summer, but he's obviously gone to Atletico Madrid. But we didn't seem to reignite that. Um, and there's so there's so many good creative <clears throat> ten slash eights. Um, in, in world football that you should be able to find a new target pretty easily uh, but other than the odd mention of Marcus Asensio which is absolute nonsense <laughs> um, there's not really been anything has there so I've, I've, I'm quite confident we'll get Fekir because he just seems he seems pretty perfect for us I mean again I've not seen loads of him but talking to Alex Barilaro who 
I hope I got the name right there. The Aussie, the Aussie writer who's on the Writers Pod and uh, Aussie Pod, and obviously he he was waxing lyrical on a pod that got cancelled, unfortunately, because of all the nonsense. Um, but he seems perfect for the system. He can fit in. He has the attributes to fit in the in the midfield front three as the advanced eight. He has. Um, he's obviously number ten. Can play kind of wide, and obviously has played false nine. So he seems perfect for what we want. In terms of versatility, versatile attacker, but no, I think we're just waiting for France to either win the World Cup or get knocked out of the World Cup, and that's why. Well, two reasons I was supporting Argentina yesterday. That, and I wanted Messi. I want Messi. Wanted Messi to win the World Cup, but that didn't happen. But um, yeah, I think as soon as Fecky is home from the World Cup, it's it, it's going to be done pretty sharp, sharpish, and I think. Alos is kind of just saving face with all this nonsense about um, him staying there. I think there was a rumour that he signed a new contract the other day and I think it ended up being his brother <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I think it's just it's just one of those mind game BS that we've seen with other deals like Lacazette, I think SEN back in the day and stuff like that. So yeah, I think, I think it'll eventually be done. Yeah, and I think... Um... As you've mentioned, I, I also have a confidence in this deal. I think it's just one of those where it seems like Klopp wants the player and the player wants to play for Liverpool. It's just, you know, the final details that are being worked out with the two clubs. And if you look at the way sort of our transfer committee and, you know, the, the suits, so to speak, have held, held their own in the, the, the transfer market over the past, you know, two or so seasons specifically, I, I think they will be able to hash out a deal which is both favorable mm-hmm. to us and also, you know, leaves Leon relatively happy with, with the outcome. Um, I do think it's one of those where it was just too short a time period before the World Cup to be able to conclude it, especially, you know, with the concerns of, of, of uh, of the medical, as as mentioned, um, I do think sometimes we do trivialize transfers a bit. If you can just imagine, even just you know the financials of a transfer, that that heavily affects the financial results for a you know a company or a business. And mm. with Leon being a publicly traded company, I think those type of you know when the payments are being made how much is being paid at what point in time. I think those play a huge factor in obviously how they want to represent their share price and and especially their image going forward. As you mentioned, I do think it, it, it will be a deal that should, you know, it should get done once France, as you mentioned, either win the World Cup or eventually exit the World Cup. Um, I, I think I think we'll definitely be talking about it next week again. Uh, yep. It seems like something that won't won't go away until until it's finally you know. Unless you do us a favour. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. And yeah, I, I think they've they've also played well this um, this World Cup. I do think uh, with regards to Fakir himself, especially as you mentioned, how quiet Liverpool has been. I think that speaks volumes. Uh, one person that hasn't been quiet this past week uh, with regards to playing time is Simon Mignolet. If we can maybe move on to some of the players that are likely leaving Liverpool. He's sort of come out and said he's going to have talks with Jurgen Klopp. Do you see Mignolet having a future at Liverpool? No, I think this has been a long time coming, hasn't it? Um, him leaving. Um, 
he's just not he's not suited to being a top level goalkeeper. I mean, we I think the reason we bought him at Sunderland is that he was a good shot stopper, but at Sunderland he was involved literally every three seconds and. I think we've seen that his time at Liverpool, he, he he's just not, and concentration seems to be an issue, and he just makes too many mistakes. But yeah, um, I think Carrius getting the uh, the spot completely for uh, six odd months, and uh, Minulay only got that one cup game, which seemed to mark the end of his Liverpool career. Um, yeah, I think I think I think it's I think it's overdue if I'm honest. But uh, yeah, nothing nothing against the bloke. He, he seems like a zam bloke, and he, he's getting funnier on Twitter, which seems to happen when you get less game time. Um, but no, he's he seems like a, a zam bloke, and he's not done anything bad while uh, he's off the field. Um, but you people <laughs> jump on that comment. But he's not done anything embarrassing off the field for for Liverpool, and he's been a a good uh, ambassador, shall we say. Yeah, I think I have to agree with you there. And I think, you know, it could have gone pretty south in, in January when he found out that Karius was taking the number one spot. And we sort of saw news coming out that he wanted to leave in January as well, mm. um, you know, based off that news. And I think since then, maybe he's had, you know, a chat with the club, so to speak. And he, he's, he's been a credit to himself, as, as you've mentioned on social media. He's been interacting with the fans, you know. He seems to to have taken it. Obviously, you know, he he's going to be hurting losing the number one jersey, but he seems, at least in the public eye, to have taken it well, and I think that's credit yeah. to him. Uh, in terms of his future, uh, yeah, I do see it elsewhere as well. I still think he's, you know, a mid-table to lower mid-table mm-hmm. Premier League team. He's a very decent keeper to Absolutely. have. I think I, I think there's a lot of teams that that could do, you know, no worse than getting him in. But as you've mentioned, it's just that element of playing for a team like Liverpool. You're not really going to get much action. You don't really get time to, you know, get your eye in, so to speak, if I can use a cricket term. Um, you could be called for 60 minutes and, and you're expected to make a decision. It doesn't necessarily have to be, you have to make a save, but you have to make a decision, the right decision, you know, and, and it seems like he's come short quite a few times in that area, the amount of, mm. you know, first efforts on goal that have been, you know, goals <laughs> against against him, it, it weighed heavily against uh, against him. I do think, I do think obviously it's, a, it's an area that we're going to have to address, whether it's Carrius keeping the number one and Ward being, you know, stepping up as the number two or mm-hmm. whether we're getting in a new goal, goalkeeper. I think that will address itself over the season um, if I can just ask, any, any thoughts on the Courtois links to Liverpool? Um, I, I don't, I don't think it'd happen because I'm not, I'm not sure if Chelsea have forgiven us for the Torres debacle, <laughs> <laughs> um, and it just doesn't seem to happen. But I, I'd, I'd love Courtois. Um, again, this is similar to all I've mentioned on the, on the uh, foreign league players familiarity. Um, I'd probably like Courtois over. Allison, if I'm honest, because perception's one thing, but the the few times I've seen Allison, he seems quite shaky, and again, judging that on on Brazil duty and his games against us, he, maybe he doesn't suit being on the biggest stage. Whereas with Courtois, there there is some issues with him. He seems to have a bit of pettiness in him um, at his time in Chelsea. I think when um, Mourinho first blew up. Um, he seemed to be one of the ones that just couldn't be bothered anymore. 
Um, last season he didn't have the best season, but I think we've seen that a, a couple of years. I think the first year back at Chelsea and Conte's first year, he was an excellent goalkeeper. And at, at Atletico Madrid, he was probably the best in the world at that time, but that might be more to do with Atletico Madrid. They could probably just pack, whack a bloke off the street and make him a top 10 <laughs> goalkeeper in the world. But um, I think Courtois is probably the perfect Premier League goalkeeper because he seems to be the one of, if not the best goalkeeper in the world at crosses. He's a good shot stopper. He's pretty good with his feet. Um, he just seems to have everything in his uh, everything in his locker. And if if the options are Allison at whatever it is, sixty million or plus, or I think I saw the fee of forty-five million for Courtois. I'd probably prefer to have Courtois if I'm honest. But um, again, anyone who's a avid watcher of Serie A is probably wanting to fight me <laughs> something right now. So but yeah, for if Premier League available goalkeepers, if Courtois is, I'd I'd be wanting to do anything and everything to get him. Um because well, uh, I don't want to get into a John Achterberg debacle here because it seems to be goes on every pod, but uh, we have seen Liverpool goalkeepers goalkeepers levels go down when they come here. Um but hopefully Courtois um is of that quality and that experience now where it wouldn't affect him that much and we'd be getting um, probably a top three goalkeeper in the league. Yeah, I have to agree with you. And it seems it would be, you know, getting someone in that's a steady hand. And I think over the past, you know, since Pepe Reina left, I think the, the Liverpool have tried to do sort of a project goalkeeper move mm. in terms of getting a goalkeeper in and working on him to, you know, bring him up to a certain level. And I, I'm not sure that's been as successful as we would have liked, um, or the club would have liked, so to speak. So I think someone like a Cotois would definitely be, you know, a change in, in even the philosophy of signing the type of goalkeepers that we have been signing. It's someone that's, as you said, Premier League proven. Um, he, he's comfortable playing in a big team. He's played on the big stages before. So I think that's one to look out for. And it's obviously going to create a, merry, a transfer merry-go-round once Alisson moves either to Real Madrid or to Chelsea or even to Liverpool. I think then you're going to see a few goalkeepers sort of move around just, just to accommodate that. Um, with regards to moving around and, you know, uh, there's one player in Liverpool, but not of, you know, Liverpool. Uh, the Everton Wayne Rooney finally making his move to to the to the US. Um, do you think it's it's it, it's taken a bit too long for him to get there? It, it seemed like that move was on the cards for quite a while. He came back to Everton. He had that good spell at the beginning of the season, mm. but for the rest of the season, he sort of seemed to tailor off a bit. Uh, what were your thoughts on on that and his move now going to America? Um, yeah, it's probably a few good years overdue, isn't it? I mean, Rooney's one of them players who was seemingly excellent from like 17 to about 26, 27. So he kind of peaked really early and obviously that means your uh, drop off is early as well. So I'm not, I think he's 32 or 33 now. Um, so I think he should have went, um, he probably should have went a couple of years ago. Maybe maybe left Man United a bit early, but we all know the money he was getting there. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a good fit for him at MLS. I think him going to China it may. I'm not I'm not I'm not going to label him as a, as stupid or anything, but I, I imagine it's easier 
um, for an English person to go to America and settle in than go to China and settle in, um, if I'm honest. Um, so I think the MLS, I think the MLS is a good fit for him. We've seen it with uh, some of his Eng- England international teammates with uh, Lampard, Gerrard, um, settle in there quite easily. Um, I know Gerard didn't have the best of times, but Lampard seemed to do all right. So maybe, maybe it's a good it's a good level for him to get final bit of fi- earn his final bit of money and uh, just let his not his franchise but his star burn a bit brighter than it did at Everton because it was. It, I'm not going to say sad because that'd be like me just. Joe, that'd just be not me lying to be honest, because as Liverpool fans we don't like Wayne Rooney. Um, but he is a big, he was a big star of the Premier League for probably the best part of a decade. So if he goes to the MLS and kind of reignites his career and finds finds himself a better level, um, he he'll be a, he'll be a star over there. And uh, I think Zlatan's got the limelight at the minute, but Rooney's uh, not that level of star, but he, he'll certainly be up there. Yeah, and I didn't think, obviously, he's, he's, you know, and not many people like to know this, but he is pretty good friends with the likes of Steven Gerrard. And I think Gerrard had quite a, a big mm, influence on encouraging him to, to take that move. Um, it seems like, yeah, going to the tail end of his career, I think a, a move to the US would be good for him. Uh, he, he will be one of the, you know, the more recognizable names in that league. Um, but it's, you know, it's tailored off a bit in the Premier League, but maybe you can revive it there in America. Um, maybe we can end off with this one. Speaking of tailoring off, you know, last season, I, I personally know I was one of the people that was very excited with the, you know, what AC Milan were doing with the likes of the, the signings that they were making, you know, the, the moves they were making in the market, the projections they, they had in terms of what they were trying to achieve, rebuilding one of the old, you know, um, one of the stalwarts of Europe, sort of the European giants that are, that are known in and around Europe. Uh, they seem to come <laughs> crashing down and tailored off, as I mentioned, with regards to they've had a few, you know, financial issues. They've got that ban now where they won't be able to play in Europe. It seems like that's going to affect not only who they can sign, but who they currently have and if they're able to keep some of those players. And in, in, in that spirit, uh, I was hoping to get your opinion. Do you have anyone in that AC Milan squad that you could think, you know, we could be looking at, take advantage of the situation they're in? Um, I think there's, I think there's a good few shouts. I mean, I think some of the youngsters, um, look very promising and uh it'd probably be worth a punt but if we go in terms of first choice experienced players i mean who doesn't want one of the best center backs in the world <laughs> uh in leonardo bonucci um obviously um it's very unlikely isn't it <laughs> um but uh if he was willing to move out of italy i think that was one of the issues last year i think he was linked with man city for so long but uh, I think it was personal family issues. He wanted to stay in Italy. Um, but if that situation changed and Bonucci was available, and I think they only paid 25, 30 million for him. So if we could get him for anything near that figure, even if it was lower, I mean, I don't care how old he is and I don't care about FSG's model. You get Leonardo Bonucci if you can get Leonardo Bonucci. And then if we had Van Dijk and him, that's the best centre-back pairing in probably the Definitely in the league and probably in world football. Um, so happy days there. 
But in in terms of probably more realistic shouts, um, Donnarumma. Um, the only thing there is that his um, agents, uh, Ray Liola, or we pronounce his name, so we may be off put put off there with the whole Balotelli situation. But um, if if he's meant to be this generational talent that he was first dubbed, um, if we could get him for a, for a decent deal, that it it'd be stupid not to. Um, I think. Andrea Conti is a right back who has a big reputation in Italy. Obviously, we have Trent, but say if we wanted to give Trent a, another bedding in period and wanted someone a bit more experienced with him, uh, maybe we could sell Klein and get him, but that's probably unlikely. But then I'm looking at players like Kalahanglu. I've probably butchered that pronunciation as I do, but if we wanted a Fekir alternative, he may fit the bill. And um, I think Patrick Petroni, uh, however you doubt it, um, has a big reputation as Italy's next big striker. So maybe if we wanted to replace Solanke, Ings, Arigi, and then have uh, Brewster and Catroni fight out for the backup spot, that might be one to go with. But um, have you got anyone that I haven't mentioned on um, your eyesight for, to deal with from AC Milan? Um, in terms of ones you haven't mentioned, and probably this one is a bit more before we signed the likes of, you know, Fabinho, was, uh, Frank Kessie, who's mm. the Ivory Coast, you know, center midfielder, more of the destroyer type of midfielder. Um, I thought he, he was a credit to himself last season in a season where, you know, they were expecting a lot more from, you know, how that season transpired. So he would have been a shock for me. Um, I know last season, in terms of you know false nines or the or the type of striker we were looking at, and Andre Silva maybe could have been someone we have looked at. But my concerns are now you know having seen the season he had this season, and seeing the options we have, he might be one of those where it's just they're going to ask for way too much money for the type of you know player that he's going to be for us, especially considering he would be a backup. So I, I do like your 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 shots of Bonucci. I do think I do agree with you. If you can get a Bonucci, you you get a Bonucci. <laughs> um, I think that would be a no-brainer, and I think that would be ridiculously good business. In terms of the Donnarumma one, I I I, I do think he's <sighs> the worry for me is as I mentioned earlier is that that whole thing of it's another project goalkeeper, and and mm-hmm. I think for for a while I think Liverpool just need to steer away from the yeah. project goalkeeper. Let's get someone in who, for the next season, I don't even want to talk about the goalkeeper. He, he must be that, you know, yeah. uncontroversial. Just, just do the basics, so to speak. Um, obviously, within a Klopp system, Klopp wants his goalkeeper to be comfortable with his feet. And it's understandable that that type of goalkeeper, you know, comfortable with his feet, a sweeper keeper rushing out, there are going to be some times where they'll make mistakes. It's inevitable. We have to, you know, factor that in. But I, I would fancy a goalkeeper that I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't be even worried about whether he's going to be starting or not. You know, just someone that we know is going to be starting safe hands. Uh, for Donnarumma, in terms of club, um, in terms of FSG type signings, he could be an FSG type signing in the sense that you know you're going to get your money back. Um, whether it's in minutes over the next, you know, 10 to 15 years, or if you look to Salomon later on, uh, his agent is a concern, as you've mentioned. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see on that one. Um, in terms of any other ones that we'll be looking at, I don't think 
some of the other ones would be realistic, so to speak, as, as you've said. Um, you know, Suso had been, you know, uh, sort of talking about how he has unfinished business at mm. Liverpool. I think maybe when Suso is a bit older, he, he might be an option. He, uh, you know, he's obviously a Liverpool Academy player. He's gone out. He's done reasonably well in, you know, in Italy. And I think for, for him, the concern is his, his pace and his mobility seems to be an issue. And I think once he's able to figure out how to, you know, play without his pace and his mobility hindering him, then I think he, he, he could be a really good player. You know, if you look at the likes of David Silva, where they're not necessarily the fastest player, yeah. but they know how to move around the pitch. You know, Suso's got the technical ability to be, you know, uh, one of those creative tens. I think he, he just needs a little bit more maturing. Um, yeah, I think, I think in terms of him coming from AC Milan, it will be interesting to see if we are able to get someone along those lines, uh, it, it, it's something that could be exploited, and I'm sure there are a few clubs that will be expo- exploiting that. Uh, in terms of, you know, I, I did mention him earlier. I think with it being July 1st, it's officially, you know, Naby Keita and Fabinho are officially now Liverpool players. Your thoughts on them uh, as we close off? Oh, my God. Um it, It's hard to describe with words how much I'm looking forward to see these two play. I mean... I think Keita is again uh, similarly when we mentioned Forsberg. I'm not. I, I, I want him to come in with a blank slate, but if his if his reputation is even half as good as he actually is, uh, I said that I said that wrong, but you get what I mean. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, if he's as half as good as his reputation, um, we've still got a brilliant player, and if he's as good as his reputation, we've got a, a generational talent in central midfield. And um, Fabinho, uh, Jesus, I've wanted a defensive midfielder for the day Mascarano left. <laughs> um, and it's finally happened. And it, it's someone who's not not a young player who's who needed even even Mascarano. He needed some re- rehabilitation because well, Pardew. Um, but Fabinho's coming in from Monaco where he was the main man, and he's coming to Liverpool, and it looks like he's going to be the ma- one of the main men. In, in central, in a, in a renewed and rejuvenated central midfield. Um, so, yeah, it, we're signing two young but well established talents seemingly in European football because Fabinho's been doing it for three or four years. Now Kate has done it for two years in the Bundesliga. Now and he was obviously sparkling in Austria as well, which obviously not the highest level, but two years in the Bundesliga. Get, I think one time he got voted the best midfielder, and we, we've seen the levels of talent um, that are at Bayern Munich, especially, and even at Dortmund. Um, so yeah, it's it's just perfect for us. I mean, midfield was one of the frustrations for me for last year, and uh, the one I the one I rated Emery Chan's obviously left on a free, um, and I, I love that I love that block, but. What hopefully when these two start playing, I'll, I'll soon forget about him and uh, got new loves on the horizon. Yeah, here's hoping that they fill that void for me as well. Emery Chan was one of those that I did, I did rate and I did like uh, the way he played football. I think, uh, as you mentioned, with Cater, big big reputation coming in. You know, I think Liverpool allowing him to take the number eight jersey gives me a bit more confidence as well. 
um, that mm. they, they, they definitely see a player there and a player that's not just going to be, you know, one of the players in the squads, but hopefully one of the standout players in the squads. Um, I do think it's absolutely crucial that both of them do get a whole preseason under Klopp, especially in a World Cup season. Uh, I think it's, we're quite mm. fortunate in that sense. So they get to hit the ground running, which I only think is going to be beneficial for us. If you look at the other players that, other clubs, you know, the likes of Fred signing for United, you can imagine Brazil are going to go far in the World Cup. So he's not going to get to, you know, get a preseason under his new manager. He's not going to be able he's to start even, the he's season. He's not even getting minutes at the World Cup. <laughs> that, so, yeah, so. yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, so I think, I think that will play a key factor for Fabinho and Keita, them being able to bed in without the pressures, you know, early preseason. Um, in terms of, uh, in, in terms of Fabinho himself, I, I, I wonder though if, Maybe this is now indicative of and um, of the likes of Buvac, whether he is staying or not. Because I think a Fabinho signing would probably, if I was to pick one of the coaches, it's more of a Pep Linder signing than a Buvac one for me. In terms of we've seen how Klopp in in the past with Buvac, they've they've tended to steer away more from that defensively minded um, mm. central midfielder and. They've looked to sort of get someone that can, you know, dictate tempo, play it around. And the, the team system is the one that will be, you know, that will cover the, the defensive roles. Um, so I was wondering if this now maybe is an indication of a bit more influence that Pep Linders might have in the squad. You know, he, he, he trained Trent as the number six. He wanted him, you know, to idolize the likes of Ruben Neves. And if you look at Fabinho, it's sort of that similar type of CDM, you know, profile. So I, I, I think that's one to keep keep an eye on moving forward. But I think for for today we can end it there. Um, Guy, thank you so much for coming on. Um, My pleasure. I don't I don't think we burned the place down or anything. It's still in safe hands. So <laughs> Justin will will be pleased with that. Um, maybe some leaving remarks. Are there any plugs that you have? Um, yeah, just check out, uh, um, firstly, 1UP, um, which seems to be getting a bit of a rebirth under me and my uh, new co-host, Carl. Um, if you want to check that out, it's at 1UP underscore AI. That's for video game fans, if, you, if you're not familiar, but do check that out if, you, if that is your cup of tea. And uh, I'll be on the World Cup coverage. Uh, me and Leanne covered the uh, group stage um, the other day, which is in, in the in the uh, plug rotation at the minute so do check that out if you want to uh, hear our thoughts on um, the end of the group stages we also previewed the um, first knockout stage and I am 2-4-2 at the minute I predicted France and Uruguay so that's good for me <laughs> nicely done um, thank you uh, from my end I think the only thing I can plug and I, I'm, and I want to emphasise why I'm plugging just the one thing is um, it's the AI Extra podcast. It was a podcast for the members only, you know, AI Pro members, but they did make it free for for everyone. It was the AI Extra Fatigue Index special. Mm-hmm. It was on concussions with uh, Chris Nowinski and was a really, really good informative podcast, you know, just giving insight into concussions. It's something that isn't very, you know, well spoken about in foot in the football realm. So I think anyone that wants to learn a bit more about concussions, you know, obviously what happened with Carrius, 
at the finals, everyone sort of like looked to take the mickey out of him. But it's, it, it is an issue where it's quite a serious thing. If you look at the likes of American football, they've started, you know, taking it a lot more seriously. Even rugby at the moment has, has introduced, you know, um, principles and plans to try and take care of head injuries a lot more and try and get more knowledgeable about it. So I would recommend that. Um, in terms of this podcast, I will see you again next week. Thank you so much for joining. Bye-bye. Network.